0: All right. There we go. Okay. Welcome everybody to another episode of Workflow Wednesday. Uh, today we're joined by Neil J. Gularte, host of All Things Post podcast. Uh, thanks very much for ha- joining us today, Neil. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, and then in the middle here, or over there, uh, we have Matt Bach, our <laughs> resident- <laughs> resident <laughs> content creation, uh, kind of hardware expert, um, the Adobe Suite, DaVinci Resolve, all that sort of thing. So um, I like to start off just in case anybody doesn't already know and the folk kind of uh, in the future. Uh, go ahead, and introduce yourself. Give us a little background about who you are and what you do
1: everybody Um, i'm neil galarte and i own wall media here in tampa florida but most people tend to know me a little bit just from the podcast in the post-production world that i've had since uh, 2014 called all things post which was actually just kind of kind of born to um, help to grow the business at the time and and to educate people on the power of video but since has expanded so much and now has even kind of morphed into a conference that we do yearly so i'm really excited that podcasting has taken things to a new level for us but that's kind of where uh, most people in the post-production world have heard of me is through the podcast so
0: cool right on thanks so um i, I guess so I, I did try to do a little bit of research um you know building up to this to try and get sure. some some kind of questions and stuff. And honestly, I found it a little difficult to find um, like background information and stuff. So how did, how did the, Uh, how did the, (laughs) how did the podcast come about? And also what is your, your background in like post-production and things like that?
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, that's hidden on purpose. Yeah. I just didn't want you to find that. I actually used to do (laughs) homicide video for the Orlando police department and they, for a long time, were actually keeping a lot of me off of the web so that when you put people into jail or in the police system you don't want them finding you so that actually has plagued me <laughs> after that's i left actually, that that's
0: pretty cool though
1: but uh thought i'd share pretty that little nugget too. but um yeah it was yeah <laughs> uh but the, basically the the fast story is guys i've been doing videos since 1991 i was recently on video makers podcast because that was the very first magazine i ever used right i picked it up and didn't know what video even meant uh and over the many years i was self-taught I started uh, kind of a production company, very young, 17 years old and kind of grew on from there. I was lucky to land some you know, big account with Disney event group when I was just a kid and it just kind of helped me grow right away. And anyway, over the many years, I ended up becoming the uh, producer for the mayor of Orlando, for the city of Orlando for 13 years, at which time I decided to finally leave Orlando and start my own company, Wildstyle Media and move to Tampa. The birth of the podcast came from I was in a new market where I really didn't have the connections that I had in Orlando because I've been there since 88. And basically, I thought maybe a podcast would allow me to, now that I'm totally solo and I no longer rely on a paycheck, maybe I could sell the expertise that I've built over all these years and help people because I knew video and podcasting was the next big thing. How could I help people kind of get out from behind a cubicle and find their voice. After that, I did a a documentary called The Messengers, which was on Amazon for two years. It's now free on YouTube. Just look up The Messengers documentary. And it's a documentary about podcasting and how to find your voice and YouTube. And that's kind of what I feel propelled me a little bit into speaking in conferences, uh, having my own conference, and then still always running my production company. So that's where I am today. Now I speak a lot on just starting YouTube channels, you know, how to implement video into businesses. And I coach a lot of corporations and individuals just on now media in their new world because we know that that's Pretty much what it is now. Thus, us three right here. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's the long cool. short version of it. <laughs> yeah, that's. So I'm,
2: I'm curious. I, I'm going to throw in a question of my own here. Sure. first oh. If if you got into editing and in, you said '91,
1: yeah, '91, I was editing. What the what old software score. were you using back then? <laughs> there was software then.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, is that, that is that is that yeah, still pre- before?
1: Yeah. yeah, pre pre software. I'll say back then I was literally using two U-Matic decks or two Super VHS decks. Yeah. And uh the funny thing about it is I somewhere still have the very first video I ever did is I took the Batman movie in '89 and I put music on it for the first time because I always liked DJing and stuff. And that was how I taught myself. I didn't have uh at the time any money. I came from Venezuela. Mm-hmm. My family didn't have a lot going on. I always had I lived in Southern California for the first 13 or 14 years of my life and was bitten by the Hollywood bug. So my only way to get back to that world was to self-teach myself. And then that's sort of what I did. Now, as far as the first softwares I ever used, um, I think it was like a toaster. I used a toaster. It was the very first time I used an, an NLE. And then I uh, moved into, as far as official in your guys' world, I was Avid certified probably mm-hmm. in ninety seven. And then from there, found Final Cut and never looked back until recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, yeah, because back then, man, just thinking, like, I feel like we're all spoiled today. Like, hey, you gotta learn something. There's endless YouTube content. There's endless yeah, yeah. training courses online you can do. Back yeah. then, self-taught really meant self-taught.
1: Taught. Yeah, <laughs> you. like even though Houston has the sexy beard, I feel like the old dinosaur here, right? Because like, basically <laughs> when I mean self-taught, I literally mean I, I grabbed Video Maker Magazine and did whatever it told me to do. And then Mm -hmm. as I met other videographers and stuff like that, I literally learned on the street level. What happened was though, just to tell a funny story to kind of propel things forward a little is uh, when I was like 17, I won the universal, universal studios, Orlando just opened. It was brand new. No one had ever walked in and they had a contest uh, to get a a filmmaker, you know, young filmmaker. And I won that. And then instead of taking the money that, You, as a kid, would spend it on stuff. I opened up an office. I asked my dad, look, I'll put the down payment. Just get me a one-room office. And I I hired my best friend editor buddy at the time, meaning he had a VHS deck and I didn't. And we started cutting wedding videos for, uh, I landed, I went in a suit and I landed Disney event group at 17, 18 years old. And that is how I started the company and never, ever looked back. I, I literally had wow. day jobs, but always had the company since then. And in 2013, I finally was able to let go of everything and just hundred percent be completely self-propelled, which is where I am today and trying to help hmm. people like us right editors like us that always work for someone now there's so many of us that are entrepreneurial because we're out of work or because of covid just really trying to empower them to 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 how to maximize working in today's new environment but mm-hmm. using video and, and and the power of audio and podcasting to have a voice basically that's pretty much my, my mission now
0: that's yeah. awesome uh, so uh, wow so like you've i mean you've basically but like you're saying you've been doing this
1: a long time. <laughs> yeah. Since we were, since 30 right. years. We don't need to do the math. <laughs> the, fun of the, uh, the fun of the Video Maker interview was it was on the 30-year anniversary of my first purchase of their magazine. So it was kind of cool. Oh, neat. To be that full circle uh, and be interviewed on their podcast. It was amazing. Shout out to them.
0: Do you think it's easier now that for, yes. for like someone starting out?
1: Um, easier and harder. Because yeah. it's easy for everybody to have a barrier to entry. It's so much simpler now. Like you said, you can get a YouTube, you can go get a laptop or even now mobile editing. And yes, you can edit now. Where I say harder is you used to, It used to. I believe, this is an opinion, I believe it was more of a craft when I started less of a mm. side gig. So back then, We didn't edit so choppy like they do now on YouTube, where you can get away with the very break every rule, what I call break every rule in production. Mm -hmm. Back then, it was a there was a real art to editing. And and when I was coming up, it was how do I make everything cinematic? Because everything was to TV. But now we're in a world where cinema is almost gone. And mm-hmm. so now we've reverted to what I call old MTV style editing, very fun, choppy, quick cuts, everything condensed into 60 second bits. So yeah. the answer is it's easier to get in, but I think it's harder because now you're starting at a time where we've broken all the rules. So then where mm-hmm. do you start? Do you start with the new rules or do you study the craft and then figure out how to bend it to your will? So easy depends on how how much of a pro, how creative do you want to be today? Yeah. Or do You just want to jump in the water. And do what everybody's doing to get likes and followers. It's yeah, kind of yeah. Well, and now there's
2: also someone more out there. Yeah. Like you know, back in the day, yeah, you could get some stuff up on the internet somewhere, and like there wasn't much out there. But now, like That's... I don't even want to know how many hours of content is uploaded to YouTube every second. Oh, like, it, it's some. Man, my
1: first show number. was on UStream, and I think it was in size like one quarter inch by one quarter inch. And I used to lean in to watch my show. Um, And then, you know, now I have a YouTube channel. I literally started a new one just for my uh, rebuild of my Mustang that I'm working on. And it's blown my brain just how fast I was able to start a channel, upload a channel, brand a channel and get rolling, you know? Yeah. Um, So I think because our world is so much smaller now and literally, anyone on the globe can watch the three of us chit chat here is i think now you have to get in and and differentiate yourself you know how do you get a message out using the art of editing right the talent of product post-production to tell creative and amazing stories and in today's world in less than a minute or two if you want to have any real roi on your on your media so right. it's kind of scary i miss the old days a little bit i really do miss the craft and the creativity of editing i used mm-hmm. to not fix things in post we enhance mm-hmm. things in post now it's a lot cool. of repair uh, i feel like i'm in a lot of repair my production company all my editors are like we're always fixing people instead of just making it better you know yeah
2: yeah so yeah, i remember we, we did a video recently where we had to change some of the wording after we had recorded and it's like, okay, yeah, we, we can do that. We can, you <laughs> grab little snips from here and here and here and here, and you hide it behind B roll, and all okay, well, the I... words are different. But <laughs> oh man, that took so much more time than if we had like known from the beginning that, oh, yeah. we should use that wording instead. It takes seconds. Well, then and now dances. you can edit
1: in so many different softwares, and you just mm-hmm. it's, listen, guys, uh, the world is your oyster. But I still okay. believe at the core of it, it doesn't matter the tool set. And I'm sure if any of you guys tinker with cars, you know this. It's like, It doesn't matter that you have a Mustang GT. It doesn't make you a good driver or a car Mm -hmm. enthusiast. But if you're a person that goes under the hood and tinkers and customizes and studies other cars and goes to car shows and talks to people, you're Mm -hmm. now right in the craft of it. So I just encourage anyone that's new that's maybe listening to us for the first time today is when I started, I, I studied the grades so that I could find out where I fit in their on their shoulders. I'm, I'm on the I'm on their shoulders. Right. Sure. So I just suggest like, don't just jump in and just be at anything like look back and see how we got to where we are today and then like find your place and then how you want to be seen when the 15 year old 15 years from now is getting started on their first day with a hologram YouTube channel and they're trying <laughs> to study you. <laughs> so, like, where do you want to be seen when they're looking back? And I've kind of prided myself on that and hopefully. I don't know, maybe it's working, maybe it's not. <laughs> Being here with you makes me feel, maybe, you know? Yeah, hey. <laughs> 30 years is paying off now, finally.
0: Right. I mean, I, I feel so, sort of similar because um, doing doing this podcast and, and in social media in general, uh, I've just kind of jumped into it. And yeah. I'm kind of having to run and catch up and learn as I go. Like, what are the best practices? What wh- is what I'm doing? The Am I doing it the right way? Am I – is this – well just write and um it's been difficult and so like i I feel like that that advice applies in a lot of different ways to learn why citizen kane is a great movie why alfred hitchcock is so popular and then you can kind of break those rules
1: even what you're doing podcasting when i started there was no video podcasting podcasting was audio 99.95%, but I was a video production guy telling everybody to video podcast and everybody laughed at me. Now here I am on a video podcast. (laughs) So (laughs) even as little as seven years ago, right? Like you just Mm -hmm. said, you don't even need to go back into Hollywood at this point. Just study five years ago and see how much even just online has changed. Even even YouTube, it's night and day from clients I deal with from just three years ago. It's changed so much. So I think. It's a real challenge to be an entrepreneur nowadays because we've had to change our stripes for my business at least more in the past five years than I have in the past 20 years. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. It's changed well, so much, yeah. And what what has changed? It's just the delivery methods. They want faster, quicker. They want uh, everything uh, higher quality at less cost. Production for my production company has damn near disappeared. I, we're doing mainly editing, consulting, YouTube posts. Mm. So it's just really the 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 needs and desires of the of the world are changing so fast like i said we started a podcast conference just because there's so many changes in podcasting just in 7 years from your host to your gear to how you podcast the durations went from an hour show to you better do it in under 22 minutes now like there's just so many things that are constantly on the go and when you're in our end of it where we're trying to be a provider of those services to people you got to be on the front row of this as best as you can yeah Mm-hmm. To, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, you need to know also where where you can break those rules. Like you're yeah. saying, like every podcast has to be under 20 minutes, but where is it OK to do an hour? Is this the same thing we deal? We deal with it on like the uh, workstation side of things. Mm-hmm. Like you we know the what most people say, <laughs> but we also don't care about satisfying most people. We care about satisfying our, you know, target and same thing with like podcast or
1: video or anything. Mm-hmm you literally hit it on the nail you should i said i joked around you should open the show with that quote i have pod we edit podcasts for clients we have the horse radio network which has one to three hour podcasts and then i have clients that do five minute chewable content and the answer to how long should my podcast be is always how long does your audience want to listen to your content
0: yeah uh uh, to, to kind of tie back to like the social media stuff i've i've noticed there's um like the, I guess the best practice, or or I suppose the uh, accepted way of doing things, like on Instagram, uh, it used to be that you would want to have like a very short um, copy, right? Just a little blip, a little blur at the end, and I've I've noticed that some channels will have huge. Like almost a blog post underneath their their photograph, and and like you said, it it just depends on what the audience and like what content you're producing and how they're consuming it. And yeah, absolutely, because like it's just it all just depends.
1: The biggest thing I say when I consult anybody on day one is, do you know your audience before you're starting? Mm And 99.99% they say yes, and the answer is no. So when I started podcasting, I asked my All Things Post audience literally per episode to tell me what you want to see. Tell Mm -hmm. me if I'm going too long. Am I going too short? What do you want? I podcast for them, not for me. Um, All of my content I define for who my viewer is, not for me. And so then you can't really decide stuff, right? So the the thing is, though, you also got to find that happy medium where you are satisfying your your audience, leaving them hungry enough to come back next week, Mm -hmm. but also being within the right parameters so that in the future maybe a sponsor or somebody else can help you monetize because you are meeting at least what used to be called broadcast standards. Now it's just standards updated weekly on the internet. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, guys, I mean, it's just finding that happy balance. And then we all struggle with that. I've, I've mm-hmm. changed the duration of my show numerous times, um, in response to my changing audience, Sure, you know, to the detriment of some sponsors and to the benefit of others, you know?
0: And how, how do you balance? So like you go into it and you're like, Oh, I want to, I want to, this is, this is a topic that's interesting to me that I want to talk about that I'm passionate about. How do you balance, the desire to create a certain kind of content with what your audience is telling you to do? Like how much do you let the, how do you, how much do you let them control the boat?
1: That is a powerful question that I literally just answered last night. I was, I was speaking somewhere and someone asked that same question. So this is what I said. I just started a YouTube channel a month ago about my car. Right? So Mm -hmm. the thing about it was, is first, you got to do something that you're passionate about and that you do for free period. In other words, Neil Houston and Matt, are going to do this episode, whether we're watching or not. But then once you do that, once you've established whatever that topic is, making cupcakes and I'm passionate about it, the mm-hmm. passion's only going to drive the fun and the creativity of the show, the vibe. Mm-hmm. Then you have to, if you care to monetize or play at any competitive level, that's where you start to say, now I need the audience input to help me define the walls. I already brought the why, which is the fun, the passion, Mm -hmm. the, the topic. But then once you decide on any sport and you decide to learn it or any platform, then you have to say, now that I've decided it's gonna be underwater basket weaving, what are the rules that we could play by to make it a fun show, a shareable content, and that it's competitive in the sense of if a sponsor or if I ever want to monetize in the future, I am meeting the basic needs of what a traditional podcast in this space is doing. So I think your answer is after you create the ship, then you start to ask everybody what they like about the ship and how they can make the ship better. The problem is people like to ask ahead of time to try to make the perfect ship. Sure. And you're only pleasing the audience for that that week because that audience changes by next Friday. Wow.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: You, Get them on the call uh, first, man.
0: <laughs> sure. Do you uh do you play around a lot in um live content?
1: I am okay. starting to play around a okay lot content, okay. but I but we work with a ton of people that are constantly live. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: How how does that affect um? Because I mean, obviously we're recording, even though yeah. this is live, and so there's going to be a bit of that crossover for uh you know later on the YouTube and and then I pull the audio and things like that. How how has that is that like a is that going to be a new direction for you or an additional thing?
1: It is a new direction in the sense that it's again that's what's popular today. So mm-hmm. a couple of things happen there. Like right now, you just hit it on the nail. You said I can repurpose this content. So when you're live, that's a lot harder to do. You obviously almost can't. So I believe that one thing great about live is it's kind of started to separate the waters of who's good and who's great.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: when you go live, it's back to the old days of film and TV where you, or music, you actually have to be able to sing to right. have a record deal. So when you go live, I think it challenges you as a content creator because now you're live. Are you as equally as good? It, I think it makes you be more on point, uh, shorter to the point. And, um, and I think people, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say here, Like they endear themselves to you more when you're live because they are okay with the mistakes. I always tell people, like people want to see you grow. They want to see your journey. No one wants to see a perfect guru every time I see you. Mm-hmm. That's why I think that's the power of like Gary Vee. You see him screw up and then he'll curse and go, sorry, and you just forgive him. So the answer to your question, I really think is, yes, it's the future, but it's the, I think the perfect person now is going to be who can be live, but then have still amazing shareable content that the internet you know desires to watch or whatever.
2: It feels like the gaming industry has that nailed yeah, right now, bloody. like mm-hmm. all the Twitch streams, all the YouTube streams, and then they repurpose all of that content into videos and short clips. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, yes.
2: And some of those people, like I, I know some of them, like some of them I've, I've met in person, and like their personality in person is so different than their personality on the streams. Oh, because, totally. And I feel like some of those people like. Uh, they almost have to live separate lives and they're not happy with it. They let those viewers control the ship a little bit too much. Listen, Matt, like... you,
1: you, couldn't, you couldn't be singing. Wow, bro, you're on point today. <laughs> <laughs> one of my, one, oh, well, the reason I'm saying is you're bringing up, Thank you're letting you. me bring up some great examples. One of my dearest friends, Danny Pena, he's the host of Gamer Tag Radio. They're considered huh. probably one of the largest gaming podcasts in the United States. And you, what you just said is his life. He literally tells me, Neil, people think, now that he's extremely popular, they think they know me. Until they mm-hmm. meet me and I'm nothing like I am there because I have to be a certain way to, you know, he has to cater to that audience that he's built over 12 years. They have like millions of followers, right? But the real Danny is quiet, shy but when you see him on Gamertag mm-hmm. Radio it, he's Danny on a show. Going right. back to your live question, Houston which is, you, it puts him in a different position when he's live because now that's now he's really him. Mm-hmm. And so he's had to find that balance but his fans love him when he's on, when he's off because he does both but yeah if he was being judged strictly on gamertag or strictly on how they talk on that show i think people meet him they'd be like wow i you're not the guy i listened to for 12 years huh. yeah he's yeah. really quiet in real life so yeah
0: that's interesting because i, yeah. I love live content i, I tried to dabble with pre-recorded stuff like for uh youtube and things <laughs> and it it doesn't fit with i guess so it's so weird i get super nervous i get so anxious in front right. of with nobody else around because well, you feel
2: like you have to make it perfect because you like yeah. you have the time
0: uh, yeah i do think that is part of it
1: yeah but you also look like that guy that i could drop in the middle of a party that knows no one and when i leave he's got everyone's phone number and is doing business before we walk out so it just i may be wrong but like it, it <laughs> looks that way right yeah. <laughs> so yeah. i'm just saying like most people that go live uh, easily tend to be people that in a live situation, you can rely on them pretty well. They're, they don't, like you said, Matt, the perfection isn't there. They're good anyway in the room. You just open the door and they'll start doing something. It may not be the right thing, but they're going to they're do something. Well,
2: some of it is also just experience. Like myself, oh man, a couple of years ago, like before I started going to more conferences and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. No, I'm super introvert, but like, I'm a lot more comfortable doing like this kind of live content now, just cause we've
1: yeah. done so much. And they say most podcasters are introverts, right? 70% of them they people to stat. like they're, most of them are introverts that use podcasting to get yeah. their voice heard. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting world and, you know, and so talking a little bit about the whole pre-produce, right. That's where the editing part comes in, right. Cause social media, you could do live where you could do uh, pre-produced stuff, but, What's happening today, and you asked earlier on, like, is it easier? I think what's happening is people, there's so much, it's starting to scare people. Like, what should I use? Should I use Final Cut or should I use like Adobe Rush or should I use now the Luma Touch? That's that's on a mobile device. How do I make what I shot yesterday interesting and edit it and put it on YouTube? And how can I do it really fast because I'm doing weekly or daily content? And I think that's what helps people determine what NLE they want to go with. Mm-hmm. based on speed, because that's why I originally went to final cut. I was an avid editor, mm-hmm. final cut, just, I felt made me fast. And when everyone in the planet hated final cut X or 10, I absolutely loved it. What I, per- what I did was abandon what I knew. And instead of trying to make it do what I knew, I just tried to learn their new paradigm. Like, okay, they want me to edit differently. Why? And I embraced it through all the years it sucked because it did until they slowly <laughs> built it back. Jobs required me to work in premiere. And I just couldn't because it made me feel like I was back in Final Cut 7. But what the only real benefit of Final Cut, it wasn't that it's an Apple product. It was it made me faster. I could churn out more work quicker, take on new clients sooner, get paid faster. Oh. Lately, I've been dabbling in Resolve because I feel like Final Cut and Premiere had a baby. And he's 80% cooler than both parents. (laughs) But there's a little bit of learning curve and I'm struggling a little bit with it. But Final Cut as a business, as a small business owner was about It made me quicker and quicker made me take on more so I could get paid sooner, hire a team faster. Thus, we grow as a business. And now I'm playing with other things because now we're established and I can go, but I really like Resolve. And now I want to bring that tool set to my my team and my customers. Now it's a little bit more my need, my pickiness. But when it came down to fast, you know, now – Quick and dirty, I went with Final Cut strictly on speed of that magnetic timeline and things like that.
2: Yeah. Well, and a lot of it too. I I always hate the people well, I shouldn't say hate. I always disagree with the people that get very attached to yeah. one one thing. Um, mm-hmm. whether it's different applications or we see it at least in the hardware world, like people who are very strict AMD, they love AMD or Intel or NVIDIA. Yeah. And like People get in fights. And it's yeah. like, no, none of those companies care about you. You are yeah. nothing to them. Why do you have loyalty to a single like company? It's, it's the same thing with NLEs. It's find the one that does what you need it to do and that meshes with yourself. Um yeah. like myself, like yeah, I, I really love Resolve too. Like I've been doing a lot of stuff in Resolve recently. Um, nothing that ever goes out on the web because I do not have the creative Um, side of things, Uh, but like I love Resolve. But if I ever do have to do something, I find myself actually going to Premiere Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it just for whatever reason, it just clicks a little better. Maybe it's just because it was one of the first ones I learned. So I learned whatever practices that matched (laughs) Um, all of these things. Uh, I guess my advice is don't get even if you go to like Reddit or whatever and ask what software should I use, and everyone says one software, go ahead and dabble in those other ones. Most of them have free oh, yeah. or trials.
1: Mm-hmm. Give they all shot. do the same thing. And when I started the All Things Post podcast, we created a Facebook group. It's got about 500 editors in there now, I think, or a little over. Um, and everything was so Premiere heavy when we first launched that Facebook mm-hmm. group because really what I wanted to create was a place where we can just all ask for help, advice, assistance. It quickly became the premier, <laughs> the premier <laughs> group. And then every time I would post something for Final i literally felt like apple's only and remaining jedi editor alive okay <laughs> now what's funny is this incredibly how much it's changed like we have mm-hmm. sony vegas we, i mean i have sony anymore sorry vegas pro 18 we've got users that are in there using a lot of premiere and resolve and final cut and even stuff i've never heard of and um and that's a testament to what you just said which is look in america we're just brand guys i grew up in southern california right so you were either skated tony hawker or nothing Right. So like it was a name brand of something. Right. Back in the old days, like I wear OP, you know, like th- nowadays it doesn't matter. You wear what you what represents you as an individual. Same mm-hmm. thing goes as an editor. Use the tool brush that gets the job done. And more importantly than the job, if you want to go a little bit more than technical, if back to my old days of storytelling and, and do the use the tools that help you be the best storyteller. Mm-hmm. Anybody can edit. Be a better storyteller, man, because that's what's going to, especially in today's world. You have sixty seconds to tell your story now. Any NLE will cut it, man. But you really got to look at just, you know, in my case. Final Cut just worked, but now lately, it's it's changing. I'm we have more room to play in Resolve, and now I'm starting to fall in love with a lot of what it does. And okay. I'm slowly now getting stuck in the middle. And now every <laughs> job is which one should I start it in or finish hmm. it in? You know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Resolve, man. I I can always talk a lot about Resolve because I love what they've been doing with, they've got Fusion in there and the Fairlight stuff and the new edit or cut page, which one I haven't really dived in too much. But all of that stuff has been, I don't know, it's really nice to have everything in one application where it's just one project and it's database. So you can like have multiple people in the project and everything. You can share things and
1: Oh yeah. And for people like me that are a little bougie, it's a nice looking interface. Like I yeah. always love the pretty gooey, right? Like, so Although, I always...
2: <laughs> I will say, I don't like you can't totally customize. That, that's right. one thing I still like about premiere. Like I like to have lots of monitors and stuff so I can drag things over there and over there and over there and hmm. resolve. It's like, no, that's, that's what it is. You can hide the intro things. Yeah,
1: I think they'll get there over time. I mean, we got to remember so. Adobe is king and they've had so many users for so long with so much feedback that they have incorporated tons of it and same final cut kind of, but I think resolve what's happened is they were that one guy, no one was paying attention to. And now they're like, Oh, so you like my new beer, then you're going to drink my beer for a while. I'm still at some point I will incorporate all your likings and flavors, but for just a little while, just drink what I made you. There's that little attitude of you can go to anywhere else for anything, but listen, so many people use the color uh, option and that alone Mm -hmm. makes every, part of that thing worth it because especially if Mm. it's pre-version uh just for the color alone if you did nothing else in there it's worth it
2: yeah (laughs) colorated like honestly i i like i said i i go to premiere a lot but man i'm not really a huge fan of the lumetri stuff me neither for some reason (laughs) it never seems to be i don't know there's so different ways to do it but i feel like i'm always like if i'm trying to use the color wheels like i'll drag something and it's like it's all the way like yeah. i, I want to boost those shadows a little more but it's all the way up
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm like, gonna i don't have to do that more? Problem as well yeah but <laughs> Listen, That again, that takes us back to the old days of uh, there used to be a colorist and there used to be a, everybody did something. Now everyone's a one-man band. And I think that's where Resolve is winning. It's allowing yeah. the little guy that works in government that they're not going to hire another guy to help him. And now he can finally finish everything in one place. And I think yeah. that's the strength of Resolve. I, I admire them for that. Yeah. But there's room to grow for sure on their end. Yeah. If the developers are listening to us three right now. <laughs>
2: I mean, even for like the larger people, though, I, I feel like it also has a lot of gain. Like... Not having to conform, you know, using XMLs or EDLs or whatever all those formats are. Not having to deal with those that never work quite right, and they always yep. have problems with like transition. That
1: happened to me yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> XML.
2: Everything being in one spot, <laughs> and like you can use the same project. You can just like set up a VPN, even do, do it from home. Like, yeah, you got to get the media to yourself, but like the projects, you know, you can make changes, and it just yeah you know, trickles down.
1: Experience. i'm excited to see where they're going like i said i used to dj so I'm, i love logic i love producing music on the side when i'm not buried in work mm-hmm. um and i play in fairlight a little bit here and there and i can see where that is going like it's like if yeah. you're if you're listening to us today and you haven't if you're an audio person and haven't played in there you're doing yourself a big disservice i think in the next five years that's going to be a, an awesome situation Ooh, for
2: them. fairlight was a really big uh like yeah. visual audio Evolution uh, before, and then Blackmagic bought them or something yeah, like that, right?
1: I think when they put it in the suite now, it just kind of got forgotten a little bit. Not that it's forgotten by users, but like when people are getting in, they're still exporting the Pro Tools or Logic, because that's what they used. you know? And when I started playing in it, the more and more I play in it, the less and less I'm going out, you know? Yeah. It, it does look a little, it, it, it was a little bit like, a, ooh, this doesn't look like everything else I've ever used, right? So almost like when I first used Ableton for the first time, it was like Chinese to me. It was it, it's, a, it's not track-based vertical like a mixer, right? It's sideways. So literally, the Germans were like, hey, do everything you're doing, but do it like this just because it's cool. <laughs> Huh. so I feel that's fair light it's like it's still yeah. amazing it does everything you've ever wanted but you got to do it crooked just just so you get, <laughs> just so you get used and then and then if I can touch on that is I just want to encourage editors to stop and you said it but I want to say it again guys if you're not listening stop being so stubborn and doing things in just the way that you always do it it's yeah. literally it's literally like dating if you just apply the same thing to every person you date you're gonna fail you adjust for every person based on what they bring well each software brings different tool sets. I think you're limiting yourself. And listen, for the people I like to only be in one thing, I'm still I still like to bounce all over the place sometimes just to get the best of everything. Like I like mm-hmm. to use everything for its strengths. And sometimes it takes more time, but my clients love it because I'll go to AE for that one little thing it does or motion for that one little thing it does. And I'll compile it together into one project. And I just want to encourage people to stop playing in such a Barrier mentality and just be an artist that uses all paintbrushes, man, to do your, your graffiti the way you want, not keep conforming to what, and you kind of hinted on that was a conforming factor.
0: Yeah.
1: I see it so much. I just want to yell at the screen. This <laughs> I've been doing it for a long time. I want to see more people paint and yeah. let so people build, you know?
0: That's interesting to hear that from, from like the tool standpoint, because like from a, a content, like what you're producing, a lot of times I hear, like hyper-focus, very like get figure out your one little tiny little niche and, and just drill down as deep as you possibly can in, in the tiniest little hyper-specific thing. But like, as far as to create that, go ahead, play with all the things that you can. That's, that's kind of interesting to
1: see. You just hit the million dollar marker. We say the, uh, my friend Glenn Hebert, a horse radio network uh, says the riches are in the niches, right? So it's Mm -hmm. part of, it's true, but just because you're going to drill down and you're going to be hyper focused, why does that mean you only want to use one drill bit? You're going to sure. hit different kinds of, of terrain as you go deeper and deeper. So, even real drillers use different drills at different depths. Sure. So, my thing is just stop being limited. Yes, be it pick. I did a YouTube on my car, that is my thing. But I'm going to use every single tool set in this Mac right here to make my channel as fun as possible. I'm not going to only stay within the constraints of Final Cut because it makes me finish sooner. Huh. So I think what you said is right, but, you know, you still got to paint with a lot of brushes, even though you're only painting a a shot of a park. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do just only park colors. You can use whatever you want. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so i'm i'm kind of glad you mentioned your mac because we did have a question that that's been uh, from a minute, uh john cranman for on facebook he asks uh how, how does a stacked out pc compare with a new oh. mac pro with something uh. like cubase
1: oh audio stuff to is tough <laughs> Just, you know what it is man it's like um i have a buddy my engineer he's a uh he's a pro tools engineer right he He's, uh, he does not bend from Pro ProTool. He doesn't care what's out. But what I realized is really when it comes to – I was a 100% Mac person in every way, shape, or form. I only recently started um, building PCs. To, I didn't want to be stuck in the one-trick pony for my business. And I wanted that whatever we're working on to use the power of whatever thing – I just said it. Use whatever tool does the job. Mm-hmm. So stack PC, stack Mac. Look, man, they both perform amazingly well. But at the end of the day, you got to pick whichever one works best with the software that you like. Like I have many DJ and um music friends and they are PC all day, every day with whatever, because they swear that using the GPU power, the that it's customizable, unlike a Mac where I'm stuck with whatever I paid for, that that is the benefit when they're using Pro Tools. Mm. However, with Logic, it's not based on that. It's based on more of the software. So you could have it on either one of the two and get the same result. But on Pro Tools, certifiably right now, PC is supposed to be better because it's using every inch of power that you've customized where on my Mac, it's the software doing most of the work.
2: Hmm. So I, sure I do know – so audio isn't one we do a whole lot on, but I yeah. do know that a lot of people still swear by Macs because of uh, latency stuff. Yeah. Um, Mac OS, I, apparently, with I'm not an audio guy, so I'm just repeating, regurgitating yeah, yeah. what I've heard, sure. um, is that Mac OS tends to have um, less of an issue with latency. So if you're yeah. doing a lot of, like, recording and that kind of stuff, uh, it can work out a little bit better uh, if you're getting into, like, composition where you're doing a whole lot of tracks and you know all that kind of stuff then you um, the power you can get out of a pc versus a mac can sometimes make it make a difference a lot of it comes down to what you're doing and if you're just recording some stuff like anything is probably going to be able to do it. It's only yeah. when you're getting into like the really high end stuff. Um, we have a few customers that are doing a lot of like a VR audio and like, yeah, sometimes in those kind of things, it starts to get a
1: little yeah. crazy. Um, I've noticed resolve works great on my Mac, but a little choppy on my PC and the PC's brand new. So it's like, and so it's not like, Oh, do you have a good card? Do you have, it has everything better than my iMac or my Mac, but I've noticed when I'm on the Mac, I got, Zero problems with playback. Yeah. Some opinion, of that stuff. Kind of fix sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah. A lot of that stuff we've had to deal with, um, especially with like the new M1 Max mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of times when people are having problems, it comes down to like they're using H 64 or HVC codecs. Yes, yes, and yes. they don't really quite understand that, like, oh, well, Premiere or Resolve has GPU decoding. It should be amazing. <laughs> But it depends on what GPU you have and what flavor of like H 264. Like I know most uh, Windows based stuff, it can't do hardware decoding for. So like 444 H 264, which not many people do, but the people who do, it becomes a problem. And I think maybe the M1 Max, maybe? I'm not sure about that. But like, um, yeah, it gets really complicated really quick.
1: Yeah, but you hit on the head. It's all, uh, know your codecs as well. When you, right now I'm in the world of what you're talking about. I'm trying to use both now, PC and Mm -hmm. Mac, and I am coming across that exact problem. Like, oh, I wanted to cut that over here, but I did export that in 444 when I was in motion because I'm just a spoiled Apple guy. And Final Cut opens it with no problem. Now I've had to think about, oh, is could this possibly Because the reason we went to Resolve was that we could start it in either one and end it in either one. Hmm. Um, It it gives us a free highway. So now the only frustration is, okay, I was cutting just last night my YouTube channel, and I was like, oh, man, I didn't realize I was going to end up on the PC. And now it's playing back horribly because it was my codec. It was the H.264, Mm -hmm. and somebody gave me some 265 stuff to use in the – in that video and it really hated me then but then i brought it to final cut and it played back perfectly so i don't think it's which one's better it's not, like you said it best know your what ingredients you're putting into it does right. it work well with those ingredients and study that beforehand and see that's where now touching a little bit on editing um, On my previous interview i did i talked a lot about when they said what's your secret for everybody at the end of the show i was like the secret is before you ever edit organize everything knowing how you're going to edit like it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be workflow it should be flow work because if you come up with a great flow of how you're going to organize clips codecs what's going where for that composite you want to do then your work will be a lot less and you could be creating and enhancing more and less work so um, I wanna repeat that here. Like, uh, if you know you're like me, that might be between PC Mac on a resolved job, it's gonna matter if you take the wrong codec over and then you're mm-hmm. gonna be mad at a PC. Really it's not the PC's fault, it's yours for not paying attention to mm-hmm. the codecs before you you went back and forth. You know?
2: Yeah, I think it's amazingly complex. Like some people yeah. think they know codecs. Oh yeah, I understand the difference between H three sixty four and ProRes <laughs> No, there's so many different kinds. And especially like you get up into, you know, crazy things or, or higher end things like, you know, red. Wow! Mm -hmm. Then it really gets okay. Well, yeah. Like, what do you should know? Red five K. Okay, what compression is it? Like
1: three to one. Is it twenty two to one? (laughs) You're gonna be encoding media for a while. Yeah, (laughs) that happened when I Mike Magic. Yeah, I I went through that. Yeah,
2: and so many people are are like, we get it all the time. They want to know, okay, I have an infinite budget. What will let me cut this whatever uh, live without proxies and and so many times to tell them like it's just not possible like you just you can't you have to make a sacrifice somewhere you have to either be okay with not being at full res or you Mm -hmm. have to be okay with making proxies like we can make the proxy generation faster Mm -hmm. but it's everything like cameras it feels like are always a little bit ahead of the technology to edit whatever they're shooting yeah yeah
1: so this is why i think we should all stop being Editors and become ballroom dancers. It's all a lot more wow. complicated, man.
0: <laughs> Maybe for you, man. I couldn't carry rhythm in a paper bag.
1: <laughs> I mean, people talk to me about editing, and I, like just like we're talking right now. Like, I think we had them for the first half. Now we're diving in so deep that we, I mean, we've we've lost some of the the beginners that are doing YouTube. But what he's basically saying in English is just keep it simple, stupid.
2: <laughs> and just if you have a problem, there's always a solution. The solution isn't always throw money at it. Oh, yeah. So For you should sure. look, um, like, again, I'm big in the, the Adobe ecosystem. So, like, I know that, like, recently they've been making a lot of changes to make proxies easier. Um, Resolve has the um, optimized media. Sure. And, you know, take a look at that stuff and, like, configure it. Cause I think a lot of the defaults are something that's going to end up with giant file sizes that a lot of people, especially starting out, aren't really going to be able to handle their project blowing up to two terabytes but you can adjust those things you can turn it just into a, like a lower weight version of h264 and oftentimes that'll be enough without yeah. blowing
1: up your file sizes i ran into that when i first moved to resolve i didn't set anything and it was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah man you're, you're basically you're you're hitting it on the nail man everybody just listen to matt that's the whole point of this show <laughs> <laughs> so far everything I'm no like, this guy's on point today man <laughs> i love it I'm I'm curious your thoughts
0: on um like social media uh and video content there as far as like Instagram and but in particular TikTok. Um I, I had I have a couple younger girls, um uh 15 and 10, and TikTok's really big. They consume a lot of that content. I'm curious more from like someone who's had a lot of experience in the video production space. What do you what do you think about this sort of like really bite-sized content?
1: Okay, so I have a six-year- old and, and bite size works against my mindset because I love cinematic, which equals long and pretty. Mm. But I was just at a meeting last night where they had a bunch of content creators discussing the move, how they were going from doing YouTube shorts now, which is a brand new thing that YouTube just launched, and then TikTok. And so I think it's great in the sense that we're gonna learn how to cut the fat very, very, very well. Mm -hmm. My fear with all of this fun and extremely short stuff, which will be an unpopular answer, and I'm sure I will lose some points on this, is then we're not going to know how to tell a real story because our mindset's going to start to think like the little donuts that we eat quickly instead of how to make a real donut, right? Mm -hmm. So what's happening is my daughter literally talks in 60-second snippets now. Everything is daddy, fast, fast, fast. So the minute I show her anything longer, she's bored to death. She's mm-hmm. literally now training her brain that everything has to be delivered to her in, in 60 seconds or so or less. And that's my worry. Other than that, though, I love it. I think it makes you be more creative, makes you be quicker on your feet. Um, it's creating some really unique shooting. People are shooting from all kinds of crazy angles and all different. Mm-hmm. Some of the effects that they are doing are really exciting, too, to see. So the fun factor, I'll give it a 10 for sure. I'm a little concerned about the way we build habits as a human being. And will we then no longer be able to sit through a great movie because we're sure. not seeing it like this?
0: Well, and that's that's interesting though too because I've noticed um, I've noticed it mentioned that um, the cuts in even cinematic films, uh, scene scene changes or, or cuts, have gotten shorter and shorter. They're like. It's three seconds it. and, then b- 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 and it's almost like that's kind of the evolution as well okay if we're going to change a c- an hour and a half movie if we're changing scenes every three to six seconds why not the whole movie in 60 seconds
1: my buddy gave last night. describe what you just said he called it pattern interrupt and he was talking to the different people in the room about you know they asked how do we edit our youtube differently than our long form content his answer was you need to do a pattern interrupt every few seconds so mm-hmm. whether that's Roll a graphic, a fly-in, and I remember when I started editing, I used to get slapped on the wrist for being too MTV and make it, make it more glossy and more, you know, more broadcast. Now they're telling you, no, no, no. Every few seconds you have to, and why? Because what I just said. We just trained ourselves that every few seconds we're bored. And my real concern is that even in just talking to people, like we've had this nice long conversation because we didn't come from this world. Right. But talk to your kids, and you'll see how fast you bore them now when you're longer than a minute.
0: Exactly. Actually. Teenager asked me a question about like, about, I can't remember now the question, but it ended, I ended up going on for, I don't know, maybe five minutes of, for background to, cause I feel compelled to have them understand, not just the, not, not to just give them the answer, but to also give them the foundation of why that's the answer. And she tuned out. She's like, I mean, she was listening, but like, I could tell that it went way beyond what she wanted. And that, yeah, like you said, you're
1: defining my concern with the short content and Mm -hmm. I know no one likes to hear that. So they're going to say, Oh, these guys are just old. It's not that we're old. I love all new things. I love a Tesla, but I drive a 99 Jag and a 99 Mustang for a reason. (laughs) There's a driving experience in that Jag that comes Mm -hmm. with the, grain and the and the leather stitching that when I sat in my friend's brand new Tesla, which is an iPad with a steering wheel, I felt like it was devoid of a of an experience. He felt it was the greatest thing ever created in mankind. So it's just it just depends where you know, I love tech, but is it at the cost of having an experience or is it at the mm-hmm. cost of something and everything mm-hmm. is at the cost of something. So it, we'll see what we'll be in a few years, but right. us three, for example, we have to keep adapting. I know my business, wherever they go, I got to adapt because right. that's what clients are wanting from us as production businesses as well. I we have to mimic that, even if we're not fans of it. Right. So and TikTok I'm is
2: hearing huge. for my... <laughs> What I'm hearing from my kids, though, is I need to sit them down and we're going to watch Lord of the Rings extended cut every week. I love so the they kid. learn
1: the patience, right? Make them. I love your kids. Can you have them train my kid? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My daughter literally told me, OK, Daddy, I get it. Literally just this morning because I went over a minute or so like you trying to yeah. give her a little more substance than just what she wanted to hear.
0: Yeah. And it, that is troubling because like I'm. I I mean I'm not that old you know I'm 34 right so like uh, but I've always I've always wanted to know more uh, it, it isn't enough to just have the answer I want to know why the answer is or like how they got there and like to know just beyond just the surface and yeah. I, and uh, it, and it's conflicting too because it's like you don't want to get stuck like things change and evolve on for for reasons yeah. and it isn't I feel like you can get caught up in the judgment of it oh no that's it's like you said before like uh when it comes to the the software being used you can't just get caught up in this is way we've always done it you know we haven't we've always done two hour movies well you know maybe there is a place for a 20 minute you can tell a a beginning and a middle and an end in in 20 minutes or 15 or whatever um it's good to it's good to see the change and and accept it and and kind of it kind of comes back to that knowing See, I'm why.
1: Not, I'm not fearing the change as much as I'm fearing how fast we're changing from one to the next. So what's happening is I feel like we're not we're not letting anything evolve anymore. We just get bored fast because we're training ourselves to do this. Mm. And we're going to a next thing, to the next platform. I mean, where's Periscope today? So we're going back and forth. We're going so quick through stuff. And whether it's today, it's 60 seconds. Look, just a year ago, I was uh, uh, helping a, a company and they were, they were doing studies to find out that the, the attention span of a person that is eight seconds to get them right. Mm -hmm. That is so short right now, even less than that. But are we going to then change the whole world to work in an eight second paradigm? If you do that, that's what scares me is not the change or our adaptation. It's that we're not sticking to any one thing long enough anymore for it to evolve. We're just going to the next. That's my only fear, whether that sounds old or not, because I equate old to wise sometimes. It's just that I love that my daughter, I, I love all the stuff. I want to be the first guy on every platform, but I'm getting scared of how many platforms there are. Like, can we just hold on something for a second for us right. to like build and create on it for a bit? And mm-hmm. that's what's making me a bit nervous because look at how big Instagram it was. Literally last night's meeting, everyone was just trying to figure out how to get on TikTok. And I thought to myself, when TikTok first came out, I thought it was more for kids and dancing and this, and now it's Mm -hmm. for everybody. And that's awesome. what a platform is for. But man, now they're acting like yesterday's thing is gone. So what if you built your business Mm. on that? Or what if you had a production company like me had just bought all this equipment, just catered to something and now it's gone. That can you really quick, man.
0: I think it's similar to like you were saying about the software. What if I built my entire business for the last 15 years and we've only ever used Final Cut and now the the thing is Resolve. Like yeah. I don't, I don't have anybody on my staff who knows how to use it. And am I screwed or do I take three, four yeah. people in and, and three, four women. months? And cause yeah, you can't, it, you could just, it's, I don't know. I've seen it in other, in other angles too. It's like, um, either twitch or instagram facebook or mm-hmm. youtube if if you put all of your effort into that one thing what happens when the algorithm changes or when mm-hmm. um you know the president decides to block tiktok or whatever and that's your entire everything what do you do? My
1: thing is to stay nimble, right? Stay nimble, stay on top of them. Um, those little opinions like I just shared are really sort of just me as a pops, as a dad, you know, like the things mm-hmm. that I see for my kid. But as an everyday guy who gets up and runs a, a business and wants to stay ahead and as long as I can, I'm 47, so I got a, a little less time than you do on the clock. But um, I do embrace it all and I want to I want to enjoy it and experience it all. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little nervous at how we're becoming squirrel mentality on purpose and can we undo that later? Will that be something that we can then easily go back to other things? Not not always go back to the past. That's a mistake. Sure. You know, but I don't know, man. It's uh, we're stuck in a weird place. All I can tell you is, we're trying it all right here. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're trying our best to stay on top of the game. You know,
0: that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm a big fan. I've I've kind of been. I've had my fingers in technology since kind of the early days and I I enjoy seeing what the what the kids what's popular cuz what they're using is is tends to be what sticks around at least or for a while at least. And so it's it's always interesting to see how things change and evolve. I
1: grew up, my first game was Pong. And now I watch my kid and my wife play Fortnite and and they have no concept how amazingly powerful and beautiful gaming is compared to what I grew up with. So I'm all about the new, right? But I have, Mm -hmm. I think I like the new more because I know yesterday, I know what Pong sucked. I remember Mario one, I remember, you know, whatever the games were. And I think when you've had every conversation console before you really appreciate the upgrades and changes sure. i think what's happening now like my daughter's proof positive we upgraded our console now she wants to the, the, the what is it the switch whatever the next console and she's not even knowing what's better about it or anything she's just on to the next on to the next she doesn't even yeah. really value what benefit she's getting from getting something better or new and that's that- kind of what i worry about
2: yeah, I mean that's not a good thing either though. People do that with phones. Like adults
1: <laughs> oh, do that with
0: amen. phones. <laughs> gonna yeah, that, I was, <laughs> was going to mention something similar about because the teenager similar like that. Is like, oh, I want the iPhone 12. Why? Because
1: it's new. just cause. Just cause and yeah.
0: it's I'm like, is it really going to improve your Snapchats? Is it really going to you know? Well, it's just bigger. It's it's a bigger number. It's new. And so like. Okay.
1: That's how my wife and my business. I am the most modern man created. And on Saturdays, I go to car shows to see sixty-seven Dodge Darts, right? Because I still want to. I still want to talk to the guy that owns that car because I want to appreciate why that iPad is in that Tesla. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I understand what their what the evolution is, but I also see very much what was given up. There's no more wood grain. There's no more mm-hmm. details. No more cool tax, right? So it's really just about. But it's individual guys that's an individual thing some people are they just babies and they don't care for the past at all and they live perfectly happy lives right oh yeah 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 that's why you just got to find like back to full circle right back to just use whatever makes you be a great storyteller in the way you like to tell stories there's always an audience there's somebody out there that likes matt's movie someone's gonna like houston's movie and neil's movie and- You're all saying,
0: I've, I've, I've mentioned this in other episodes. And I think that is the one thing that gets me, like, it gives me goosebumps, gives me super, super hyped is like, we had the, the barrier to entry is so easy now. And, and the reach is so wide that you can, whatever your thing is, whatever you're most interested about, you can get out there. And there is an audience that you want.
1: I encourage you guys to market your your content to international audiences i just recently did spotify ads to mexico that got like four times the 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 numbers of the us and what's happening is you have to understand these were countries that back in the day were a little bit way further behind in tech than us Mm -hmm. now they're all running around with modern phones and they're craving our content so for a lot of you content creators that haven't marketed or if you're an agency uh recent studies that we've done working with other clients is germany and mexico are
0: Huge return on
1: investment on your marketing. I did a, I'll give you one fast example. We spent like a little $250 run on Spotify ads for only one week. Okay. Only one week and got thousands and thousands of clicks. And when we did the same exact amount in the US, we got 53. Wow. Because we have too many choices and they're craving the one choice we're giving them. And the clicks were through the roof for Mexico and Germany. That's interesting. Something to think about as you're all this hard work you're putting to create content that don't remember remember that the world's getting smaller and more and more countries they are also speaking english more more Mm -hmm. americans have moved to other countries than ever before so now when you market to um you know norway there are people that want your content in norway that's cool and then you open your door to international sponsorships international um product endorsements so just don't think uh so small anymore think global with all of your content regardless of how you're making it or with what tool set. That's really smart. Yeah. Think, God, made a, God made an earth, not just a country, you know? Right. <laughs> he made a whole place for us to play. We're, we want to still stay in Florida, right? I taught all my clients, like, stop staying in Oklahoma, you know? He made New Zealand for a reason. <laughs> you like it. You yeah. Enjoy it.
2: <laughs> yeah i've even seen i heard i think it was on our internal slack someone was talking about uh, someone they knew who with the covid stuff and everyone working from home they decided that they just moved to a tropical island and yeah. was just renting a house month by month because it was cheaper than where they were living in wherever san francisco yeah. or whatever you and so they get to work on the beach <laughs>
0: and, why not? and and why not i think that's i think that's super cool and we've always been able to do that and it's, it's been, it's been the, we've been forced to change, you know, I, I could have, I could have always done my work here. There's my entire, my entire, everything is all online. Anyway, I could, I was working when I was in Hawaii, you know, like, there's okay. no reason not to.
1: It's Brand just a- Earlier, you know, and you're talking about too now people being just stuck in in patterns and loyalty to jobs, and yeah like, you're absolutely right. We've always been able to do what we do, but we fought it, right? They, it was a system of control. I don't mm-hmm. trust Houston at home. Is he really going to do more? And then they did studies to find out that when you work from home, you do more. You're more productive than you are at your job. Yeah. So now what are they going to say? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just like, uh, look, man, the world is your oyster right now with technology. Um, even just what we're doing right now, it kind of blows my mind. As I'm kind of thinking here, I'm watching what we're doing. I'm like, wow, I remember when I used to stare at my thing. My little show was so small. <laughs> and uh, and it's so exciting where we're going. Um, I love being a content creator at this time of life. It's the best time. You guys can make whatever you want right from your phone. Yeah, hands
0: down the, the best time. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um, which actually leads me to a really good question. What are you most excited about? on the horizon in the future the next year to five years
1: wow great question well i kind of touched on it which is the whole creating for more international is one big thing and that i'm pushing in my own business but tech wise listen man this whole i have buddies that are dealing a lot in this uh not virtual reality what's the other one um Augmented augmented reality augmented i i I, didn't, I wasn't as much of a fan of that until some recent things that I've seen. So that's one thing that I'm really kind of like, ooh, that's going to be big. But more importantly, man, it's really just the, the change in these platforms and how we're delivering what we make to people. Mm-hmm. What I look forward in the future is that that be global. And, and, and I keep repeating it, and maybe in five years you'll say, Neil, you told me that. Oh my God, right before Christmas. <laughs> is that you really become a, a content creator for the world and less of for a region. And mm-hmm. whatever tech gets you there, whether it's a you know, hologram, augmented, doesn't matter. We're all just using tools to reach people. So just stop limiting who you reach. Because with all things post, um, which um, has been the biggest blessing, I get guys from Africa that are just starting to edit because internet just became available and they're literally absorbing every training, everything we do that's free there just because to them guys, we may be tired of stuff here, but to somebody in another continent, it's a first time ever experience with video ever. So for the, I'll end it with that in the sense of even when I coach, I tell people it's my 50th coaching call this week that for that 50th caller, it's their first call with me this week. Right. And we have mm-hmm. to think like that as content creators is everyone seeing your view, your video for the very first time in another country or in another place.
0: So one last question, since we just hit yeah. over our hour, how say uh, as a person, like say, say I'm just starting my YouTube, how do I target more than just. You know, Nebraska
1: well with let's say a great example of youtube since i just started a channel right youtube has their own algorithm their own planet and you're playing in their world until you get a certain amount of subscribers at which point okay. you earn and unlock benefits and perks of youtube okay. which part of it is them promoting you <laughs> so mm-hmm. once that occurs you have a broader audience but really whether it's a podcast it doesn't matter your platform if you want to reach other countries you need to cut a check and you need to run ads that are targeted mm-hmm. to other countries to introduce your medium to them another thing i do a lot guys that i'll go on other podcasts i'll purposefully try to find ways to guest on mexican american podcasts or a mm. podcaster that they speak english but they're they're out of uh you know nicaragua and you get on there and you introduce yourself to their audience and all of a sudden your audience just grows because they are mm. truly starving for content hmm. because That's they they just got what we've always had which is access yeah. to the internet they just got it That's... in some countries like less than a decade ago. And it's now robust. So just like we had AOL, like, <laughs> they're just now in some countries. I'm from it as well. They're just now getting there, man. Wow. And guess what happens when you just get somewhere? You find everything that was there 10 years ago. Right. So to them 10 years ago, YouTube is brand new. Wow. Hmm. So just think like that. And you know what? Just uh, get more guests that are Hispanic on your show. Get more guests that are from other countries. And like I said, stop limiting your reach. Want to be known more in France? look for a French video editor and interview him on your podcast. And guess what he does? He shares it with all his French fans and Bala, you're now in France.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So oh, yeah, cool. man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's an exciting world, man. Stop playing in your little background. You can play anywhere you want nowadays, man. That's it. <laughs> that is the goal. I guess the, in the end, that's the that's point so of this cool. <laughs> our interview. Turned out to be just be international. Oh, well, the I tools guess- we use it doesn't matter anymore
0: that is that is good to to kind of really kind of push on that because um as i guess even i mean i've played online games and stuff for decades and i've played with people all around the world but it i never really thought of it that way of like it, it isn't just the united states anymore as as yeah. the big guy the big player you can reach you know the sticker fanatics in italy if if you've really just try to get out there. That's really neat.
1: Houston, guys, I'll end with this. So when I started my conference, which is called Cinema VOZ VOLS, which is voice in Spanish. It's for a mm-hmm. I'm saying it's not to market the conference, just to use exactly what we're talking about as an idea. Okay? It was called Cinema VOLS because we were mixing English-speaking voiceover actors mm-hmm. who, and with the ones who dub it in Spanish. That was the mm-hmm. original concept. Once we got there, do you know what we found out? It wasn't so much like that people – Most of our guests were from other countries, meaning they were coming from Spain, Portugal, because they – guess what? In their country, in our country, everything we make, we have it dubbed into Spanish. But it's not every dialect. It's 90 percent Mexican-American voiceover artists dubbing for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And what we found out at this conference was – Everything they make, they want it dubbed in English. So they're looking for Hmm. American voiceover artists to be the English voice of their superstars in their world. So what we ended up finding was the reverse of the whole reason that we did the conference, because what they were telling us is, no, we didn't come here to try to get more work in your country. We're trying to find you. So that all of our content from our continent can be dubbed for your audience. So that tells you that those other countries are now trying to infiltrate so that we get their content more than them getting ours the way it currently is now. And if you look at Netflix, if you just look at that, and I'll end with this, look at how suddenly a lot of the Netflix shows are being from everywhere else. They're from Australian production companies, New Zealand. That's a trend. Now, watch that Mm -hmm. in two years. You'll see, I told you today, the rest of the world wants to access to our audience, and we're stuck thinking our audience is prime. That's so cool. And then we want to reach that. I think the reverse now as a content creator in a couple of years you'll love us for it you'll say that houston matt and neil told you so
0: <laughs> oh that's great and i think that's a fantastic place to end too yeah that was that's oh, great couple. awesome <laughs> um so yeah Pretty we fun. have we have we are a little bit over our hour so we're, we'll we'll wrap it up we'll say goodbye thank you so much neil for oh, for joining us taking thank time out you of it. your day this was this has been fantastic what a great conversation we've had today this was
1: um, well, it's yeah, been I'm a pleasure excited. meeting both of you guys, and I invite the audience, please check out All Things Post, and uh, I will meet you guys there and just tell me that you found us here, and I'll be happy to give you a shout out. It, awesome.
2: All Things Post, it must be on, like, every podcasting yeah. <laughs> it
1: platform. It better be after this yeah. much time. <laughs> um, really, uh, you know, most people find it through Apple Podcasts, but yeah. it is on um, all platforms. And nice. I'd love to have you guys visit uh, or love to even have you guys on my show. It'd be really cool to maybe invite you guys reverse this thing. We did interview uh, uh, the Puget a while back. Uh, it's, I forgot what episode number, but I'd love to have you guys specifically <laughs> maybe, maybe visit our show for fun and just kind of say hi to our people because I'm sure that'd be
0: great. It. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, all right. So um, I've got to do my normal outro thing. Thank you. Thank you, Neil, for joining us. Thank you, Matt, for taking time out of your day. And thank you as well to the audience for joining us on our workflow Wednesday for today. We do this every Wednesday and Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Wednesdays, we bring in uh, outside industry experts like Neil to talk about their workflow and their process and little tips, tricks, advice, things like that. Uh, And then on Fridays, we bring in our internal experts like Matt. He gets to be all by himself and to talk about the, the crossover of software and hardware and to kind of help you you guys in the audience to make good decisions on how to get your job done the best way possible so mark your calendars for that wednesdays fridays 1 p.m pacific and we'll see you guys next time bye